You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I'm joined tonight by my co-host Tony and we are previewing the John Bear Grease Marathon, arguably the best mid-distance race in the lower 48. It's held in northern Minnesota. It used to be my backyard. It is a fun one, one of my favorite races for the sport of dog sledding and I'm excited every year when they kick this one off and I think that these guys do a marvelous job, not only reporting on the race, but all year long. They truly make it a year-long event. They have stuff going on. They have fundraisers and meet the mushers and raffles and the whole nine yards. And we're going to talk a lot about that here on the show. But the race starts tomorrow, I believe at 10 o'clock local time. Tony, what do you know about the John Bear Grease Marathon? You know, it's one of those races that I think we've had all these races this weekend that are super warm, and I'm hearing that this is going to be a very cold race in comparison, uh, which is good because I think last year it was pouring down rain for most of it, as I recall. So uh, a little bit more of a traditional dog sled race or sled dog race uh, starting out on Sunday. Uh, They would have to pick the NFL uh, (laughs) playoffs. To, to do this. It's a big, uh, big day on Sunday for sports, but I expect this to be kind of that rock concert feel. They normally have a lot of people there at the start. They've had a lot of people in the lead up in the last couple of days. Fans, fan events have been packed. So uh, it's, it's another exciting race. I'm kind of interested in the lineup because there are a couple names that aren't on it that I think everybody expects to be, but instead they've got their partners running their race. So it's an interesting, it's going to be an interesting couple of days to watch some sled dog action. And you said it was going to be like a rock concert. And as I said, I used to live right here in Duluth and they really embrace this in the community. They have stuff going on leading up to the race. The, uh, the start is, is almost like a fur Rondi atmosphere, maybe even a ceremonial start atmosphere for for the start and it's a really big time fan family friendly and fan friendly event and I I think that's one of the things that makes this race so special so let's jump into this it is an Iditarod qualifier it's arguably one of the tougher mid-distance races in North America it runs along the coast of northern Minnesota it can be very cold there you had mentioned that the races up here in Alaska this weekend are are unseasonably warm but anytime you run along uh, lake superior you can get smacked into the face real quick by what they call lake effect weather where it's ice and blowing wind and snow and there's mountains that you run over for this race and it can be a very difficult trail for sure so let's talk about the lineup who is running it and you said there may be some names that uh that are uh, unknown, or at least uh, the fan favorites may not be there. 
Um, yeah, so let's just talk about who's not going to be running. Ryan Reddington is not on the roster, and neither is Aaron Alley, who um, won, you know, they've been going back and forth kind of as the one and two when the freckings aren't messing up that uh, little clan there. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's a little interesting to see that uh, neither one of those two top kennels uh, their their leader is not running, but their partners are. There's Keith Ally or Ailey. I don't know how to say their last name, and I do apologize for that. With Miles Ahead Racing instead of Aaron, it's going to be Keith. And then instead of Ryan running for Reddington Racing, he's got two teams in there uh, that I'm aware of, one of them being Sarah Kiefer, his partner. She will be running, of course, the A team. And then he's got another team with Daniel Klein, uh, running. He is a rookie in this race, so I don't expect him to be one of the competitive teams, but just throwing that out there. Um, we've also got Colleen Wallen, who we've seen many times in this race and along the way in different races this year. Laura Neese, who of course has run Iditarod. She's with Nature's Kennel. She'll be running. Um, just a lot of names. Ryan Anderson, of course, is another big name, and Jennifer Frecking uh, with the Bear Grease. Uh, era Wallen a lot of if you're familiar with the Bear Grease there's a lot of familiar names on this roster but those are those names that kind of stand out to me those are the ones that I've as I've started to pay more attention to the Bear Grease those are the ones that I typically watch for um, so it's I think it's a it's a nice mix of both rookie and veteran and it'll be interesting like I said to see some maybe new blood mixing in with with the competitive teams of the past. And what's interesting, Tony, I'm looking at all of the rosters and they have four races going on this weekend. They have the Marathon, the Bear Grease 120, the Bear Grease mm -hmm. 40, and the Junior Bear Grease 120. And every race is full. And I know uh, I've talked a lot about on this show, and in particular when I hosted with Alex and my buddy Karosh Parto, we each talked about... Uh, sort of the the um, the next step in mushing, and we talk about uh, a lot of these races are declining in entries, and you know there's just not the number of mushers that there used to be, and all that. And it's exactly the opposite down in the lower 48. Up here in Alaska, it seems to be that races are struggling a little bit to to really fill up and get entries compared to even a decade ago. But my goodness, there's a lot of people running in these races, and that is very encouraging for the sport, isn't it? It is, and I would I would caution saying that some of the reason why all of the um, rosters are full because if you look, the junior only has three uh, teams running it, but it says it's full is because of certain changes to the course and where they're starting. They were advised to cap the the numbers at what they had back at like December fifteenth. So um, it is still a very healthy uh, race. I've noticed like the, the 120 is always the one that I think has the most names. Um, so it's a very healthy field. It was a very healthy field early on in the sign-up process. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's one of the healthier, bigger races. It's not seeming to struggle quite as much as like the Quest. And the Iditarod, which, of course, you know, for a couple of years, the Bear Grease was partnering with the Iditarod. I don't know if they are this year um, because 
the Iditarod Insider crew is not at the Bear Grease. They're at the Pedigree Stage Stop races this week. So um, I, I'm not sure if, you know, the the World Series of Dog Mushing has come to an end in just two years or or if they're going in a different direction. Yeah, and longtime fans of this show and of following a lot of these races on social media will remember, I guess it was right before uh, the COVID lockdowns when they did that mm-hmm. world series of mushing and they had on that really fancy TV style set. I believe Dallas mm-hmm. TV was there reporting and it really spelt, yep. felt like sports center. It was amazing the coverage that they had. And I guess it was either way too big of a budget or, uh, you know, it didn't align with what what the uh, what the people were wanting to do, but man, I wish I wish they would go back to that on these bigger races because that's really going to grow the sport, isn't it? It is, and I think part of that was COVID just getting in the way because a lot of that, like the TV set and all of that, that was not coming necessarily from Iditarod Insider. That was with their partnership with Krill Paws which um, they sponsor Dallas CV, they sponsor Thomas Florner, um, Your Life Seth Olsum was one of their mushers that they sponsored. Um, but with the lockdowns due to COVID, especially over there in Norway, I think it just became too difficult to have um, their crews coming. And so they did use Insider that, that first year of COVID and they just did the best they could satellite or remotely they didn't send any of their people over with coupons um but yeah i i don't know i haven't seen anything mentioned about them this year so i don't know if it's just until things go back to more normal or if we're just it's just it fizzled out and nobody's really talking about it so before we talk about our favorites and I would like to, and I want to ask if you have any stories that that we may have not mentioned, but we (laughs) talked earlier in the show about how good of a job that these guys do in promoting this race, their website, their Facebook Mm -hmm. presence, their social media on, on uh, Instagram in particular is amazing. And it really seems that they have a really dedicated team and it just looks so professional. You know, it's not some janky website. It looks like whoever is doing this, it, it is on top of their game. They do a great job, great photos. It is top notch. And I know that you are the professional photographer in the group here. What do you think about <laughs> their coverage, in particular their Facebook, uh, Instagram, and website? I think it's pretty good, don't you? Uh, yeah, it's very sleek. It's very up to date. Um, looking, you know, I don't want to compare to other races, budgets everything like that all play a factor. Um, But, you know, their logo is pretty sleek, uh, looks great, looks modern. I don't necessarily think races need to have a more modern logo. Okay, I will compare. Iditarod's original logo is my favorite logo of any dog race and always will be that little trail marker that they use. That's my, that's my jam. But I do love the, the sleek design of the Bear Grease Um, I love how they partner with local media teams. They've got coverage coming from, I think, two different uh, media platforms. Both get to do the start, both get to report on things, both get to do the finish. Uh, It's all free for us to watch, which is also nice. 
Um, I think, you know, growing up in Alaska, I was always under the impression that dog mushing was an Alaska thing. Um, maybe they did a little bit of recreational dog mushing where they were trying to be cool and have races down in lower 48, but we knew what we were doing and everybody else was just trying to copy us. And I don't know if that was true 38 years ago or what, but now it seems like Alaska's playing catch up, especially when it comes to media coverage, social media. Um, I will say that I have not seen the John Bear Grease misspell their founder's name multiple times on their social media app and then try to blame somebody else for it. I'm just saying yeah. it's, it's easier to do than what some, some organizations are saying. And, and just just to finish up on on what they're doing on on social media on their website, one thing that they do have that I think is really cool because most of this uh, trail is along the road system, and they have a page on their website called Estimated Checkpoint Times, and they have mm-hmm. all the checkpoints listed, and with these estimations, they have the start and uh, first in, last out, and mileage. And they do this for a couple of reasons. They do it, what I think is really cool, is they have it, uh, They have times on there that will allow fans to know when mm-hmm. people are going to potentially be at these checkpoints. So they can drive up, you know, take a, a day trip or whatever, and drive up the race course. And I, we, I know we talked about that with the Quest and their new route mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're planning on doing. But I think this is really cool. And if you have other races that are along road systems, whether it be, uh, you know, the Willow 300, which a lot of it is is sort of paralleling the road system and off uh, mm-hmm. the quest. And, you know, a first couple of checkpoints, of course, on Iditarod are on the road system and so on and so forth. This can really get the fans and I think more importantly, the media involved with the whole race instead of just sitting somewhere and trying to report from... Uh, you know, information that they're reading on social media. Don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree because I've been getting messages, especially this last weekend with the Willow 300. I was getting messages from KTUU, the local station in Anchorage, uh, asking, hey, when do you think the finisher is going to be in to the finish? When when are they going to be at this checkpoint? And I'm like, heck, if I know, they're not giving us any information either. But the fact that they're not even giving information to the media I mean, this is how you get people to pay attention to your race and maybe funnel some money your way, and you're you're ignoring that too. And so, yeah, it, it, I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we could argue that, you know, we just don't understand how social media works. The internet's still new to a lot of dog mushing community members, but it's not that way anymore. You can see it with the, the newer generation of um, mushers using it the way that they do. And it's heck, if Mitch Stevie can run his own Facebook page really, really well, like he does, I don't think anybody has an excuse anymore because that man was so anti-technology when I was working for him. <laughs> and it says, it says right there on their, on their website that they anticipate a finish at 525 PM, not 530, <laughs> not 515, not five o'clock. They are anticipating 525 PM, on the 31st, which is about three days from now. Do you think do you think they will get pretty close? I think we could do over under. You know, sports betting is crazy these days. 
should we call up uh, MGM, Jamie Foxx or whomever and put a bet on over under for that time? What do you think? I have no idea because that's math and that is way above my pay grade. But yeah, I mean, I, I was going to suggest we need to see just how close it comes to that. Um, you know, I think that's one of those in a perfect world. If the trail sets up, if there's not a lot of snow added to the trail, this is when it should end. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if whoever came up with that time, how close they are. So folks listening, what is your over under on the 525 p.m.? local time finish for the Bear Grease Marathon. Let us know on social media. We are at First Paw Media, or you can reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter at Robert Forto. And I know Tony is usually very active on Twitter. Maybe we'll talk about why here at the end of the show, but uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think on that over under for 525. Excuse me. So do you have any other stories before we finish up i you know other than the fact that i haven't actually checked to see if uh wildfire is going to be running on sarah's team but those that remember last year right before bear grease um ryan reddington's team was hit by a snowmobiler i can't i'm going to trip over that every time but i feel like since we're in the lower 48 i should use their vernacular and not the correct terminology which it would be snow machiner um, but a snowmobiler hit them on a training run. Uh, a couple of dogs were injured, including Wildfire, who was severely injured. They weren't even sure he was going to make it. Um, not only did he make it, but he threw a lot of love and support throughout the mushing community, including many, many fans. Uh, the ugly dogs, especially, I know chipped in quite a bit. Um, a GoFundMe uh, raised so much money that the dog not only was able to be saved, his life saved, but he was able to get the rehabilitation that he needed. And he has run races with Ryan Reddington. I think we talked about that in the gun flint. He was in that race. I'm not sure if he's in the bear grease. I assume he is because he is the, he is the dog getting the most media coverage for this race. So if he is not in the race, he is the unofficial mascot of the race. So it's just a really exciting story. I'm so glad that wildfire had his happy ending He gets to do what he was bred to do, what sled dogs love to do, which is run and go on adventure with his pack mate. Yeah, that's a feel-good story, and and I think we need some more of that in the the mushing community. Mm -hmm. There's not enough talk about the dogs, for sure. And it's tough. When you have, you know, three, four, five, up to a thousand dogs in a race, it's tough to tell stories about individual dogs unless they have a story to tell, you know, previously before the race. So if you have any cool dog stories, let us know and we will share them on the show. So Tony, we are going to be back next week on a very busy week here on our <laughs> podcast. On Monday, we're going to do a recap of the Bear Grease and, or excuse me, Tuesday, we will recap the Bear Grease. On Monday, we're going to recap the Cusco 300. And the next weekend is... The Yukon Quest, is it the 500 or the or the 550 or the 300 next week? I believe it is the 550. I believe it's the one in Alaska. And I can double back on that if you want to go with your next thought. And I will just double check and make sure real quick. Yep. Before we close here, definitely check us out on social media. If you have not, hit that subscribe button. We are getting a lot of comments back and forth going. Uh, I, 
Iditarod fan group reached out to me the other day, and I got so many messages <laughs> from folks there saying how much they love our show. That was a community I did not know anything about, and I think I got <laughs> 10 or 15 messages on Facebook Messenger of people reaching out saying, we love your show. Thanks for doing it. People I've never heard from. So there's all sorts of little communities out there that are huge fans of mushing, and, and I'm glad that that we're reaching our tentacles into some of those that, that we don't know about. Tony, before you talk about that quest, what do you think about the fans' response to, to what we're doing? You know, it's, it's definitely a labor of love. We've been on this uh, microphone pretty much every other day here throughout the, mu- <laughs> the month of, of January. What do you think? What do the fans think about our show here after the first month or so of our coverage? You know, the um, the group that reached out to you, I've been a member, I was kind of just glomped on to um, several years ago. I think they thought I was the moderator of the uh, official Iditarod Insider chat that happens during the race. Um, and I'm not. There's another Tony in Alaska who's also an Iditarod volunteer, and she's really awesome, but she's not me, and she's the one that moderates. Um, but it's called I Did a Chat, I Did a Live Chat friends or whatever it's called. Uh, They're a wonderful group of people, a lot of knowledge. They're from all over the world. Um, They absolutely love Iditarod, but they have expanded as they've spent time talking with those of us who, you know, know about the other races and they want to learn about the mushers that they're following. And so um, I have, of course, every once in a while plugged both the blog and, and our podcast and then I got a message the other day from one of the admins and she was like just to let you know I'm inviting Robert because you guys your podcast we really need that in the group they really need to learn and uh, and maybe you know they'll they'll get a better understanding some of the newer fans and so I thought that was really cool it was very humbling to me because I think that I'm just a rambling idiot most of the time um, you know, I, I, lo- I love the sport. I grew up watching the sport, but I've never been in the sport in the sport. I've just been on the outside looking in. I may have a few tentacles in a couple of ken- kennels, but I, I don't do the daily grind of it. So um, sometimes I feel like I suffer from imposter syndrome, but uh, it's, it's been humbling. There's been a lot of good feedback for the most part. I haven't gotten too much uh bad feedback or or stuff where you know people are saying just get off the air so uh that was my biggest fear when you and alex uh talked to me into it what two years ago now so i've I've really enjoyed my time and uh it was fun working with michelle while you were down and out during your surgery so it's it's been a learning experience and fun and i'm glad that people are are tuning in and enjoying it just to put it out there, we are the only mushing podcast that does anything like this, especially these previews and recaps anywhere, as far as I know, in the world. So definitely check us out. I don't think you will be disappointed. And make sure you tell your friends and family, too. And uh, we will hopefully convert them to fans as well. So on behalf of my co-host, this is Robert for Mushing Radio. We will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.